What's the most important resource that you have? If you really thought about this deeply, I think you'd come to the same conclusion that Joey and I did. It's time. In our newest book, What's Without Wall Street, The Three Steps to Financial Freedom Through Passive Income, we talk about how are we tracking that time? Well, what is the thing that we can do to get more of that time back? That's right. If you've ever been listening to our podcast and thought, man, it would be amazing if I could take all the things that you guys have learned over the last 10 years and just summarize them, put them in some way to easily digest them and take action, that's what this book is all about. You're not going to want to miss it. Go to wealthwithoutwallstreet.com forward slash new book and get your copy today. Russ, on today's episode, we answer the age-old question of how do you teach your kids about money? This is the question that we keep hearing in our highest level masterminds. And these are from successful people. I just don't know how to get my kids into this mindset that I am now in. Well, I, I have that question, man. Like my wife and I are having a conversation just the other day about like, hey, can we get your daughters up there with you? And you just teach them what you do. And as easy as that sounds, it's hard, man, because I don't even know how to podcast and I do it. So like, I'm like breaking it down for them. <laughs> She's like, what? I'm like, I, I could teach delegation skills at its highest level, but who are they going to delegate to right now? Like you got to have an assignment to delegate. Next thing yeah. I know, I got Ryan in there. Like, I'm not taking out the trash. You take out the trash, Rudy. <laughs> Rudy's our French porter, by the way. You know, like, I, I can't teach delegation skills. Somebody's got to do the job in my house. <laughs> no, but seriously, I, I do think that today's episode is going to teach us what we all wish we would have been taught by our parents, right? We That's wish right. that that we would have learned how to get involved in a business that was successful, learn the skills that we could apply, learn how to become a better investor. In this episode, you're going to get to hear from one of our Passive Income Mastermind members, Brian McClatchy, as not only does he share openly what he's, uh, how he built an amazing land flipping business and is doing it a little bit uniquely from maybe some of the other stories that you've heard, he's going to share, you know, some, some things that were really passionate to him, the things that he wanted to get involved with and, and how he's giving back to the world, but also he's going to give you three lessons that he's pouring into his kids. He's got five girls, ways he's getting them involved, how he's determined who does what in the business. And we're also going to talk about money and how do you pay them? So Stallion, let's jump in right now with this episode with our Passive Income Mastermind buddy and friend, Brian McClatchy. Welcome to the Wealth Without Wall Street podcast. Your guide to understanding how to get out of the Wall Street rat race and start your own mailbox money lifestyle. Now, don't let these handsome Southern draws fool you. These financial minds are teaching our country to enhance savings, increase cash flow, and create passive income, all without the help of Wall Street. Are you ready to break through? Now, here are your hosts, Russ Morgan and Joey Murray. Wealth Without Wall Street Tribe, I am so excited to introduce to you a good friend and member of our Passive Income Mastermind, and also another dad of five daughters, my good friend Brian McClatchy in the studio today. Brian, so glad to have you. Hey, great to be with you. Thanks. Yeah, you didn't know it was a requirement to have uh, a lot of kids to be on the podcast, but there is, at least a good one, right? 
It is pretty amazing. Between me and Joe, we've got 10 girls, so that's impressive. That is impressive, for yeah. sure. Well, and, and we could probably just sit back and just share share notes on girls. There's 13 between us, 13 daughters. Wow. And, nice. But I would think most of the moms would be like, this is going to be bad audio. <laughs> like, <laughs> you, you guys should not be teaching us about our daughters. But there's a lot of um, interesting conversation I do want to have today because speaking of five daughters, you're filing you're finding a way to get them involved in your business. And I think that that's super interesting as parents. We are always figuring out what's the next best thing for our kids. And as entrepreneurs, we're saying, hey, how can we teach them and give them skill sets and opportunities that they may not have if they didn't have us as parents? So I want to get in that. I want that to be the meat of our our conversation, but let's talk a little bit about your business to start off with. Help people understand who Brian is, where you live in the world, and and what is it that you do for a living? Yeah, so we just moved to Heber, Utah about two years ago. I've got kind of a crazy, I guess, track record. So I started out as a physical therapist for two years in Maryland, and then I went into orthopedic medical device sales, just kind of part-time. So I kept being a PT, did sales uh, one day a week, and about six months later, was able to replace that income one day a week. So I say, you know what, I just need to go full-time into sales, love sales. I did it get through college. Um, so I did that for about 15, 16 years when the devices we were selling kind of went to the wayside. Medicare stopped paying for certain devices. And once a code gets deleted by Medicare, Blue Cross, United Healthcare, everybody stops paying. So kind of with a little bit of a transition, I actually did door-to-door sales for five years. Worked for a solar company for two years and sold a ton of solar in my neighborhood. It's fun, kind of stressful. Went into uh, roofing sales for a bit. Um, and then during that time frame, I, I got a hold of a podcast with Mark Podolsky with The Land Geek. He kind of talked about how you can automate a system, you can do land full time. And going back to 2007, I bought my first ranch, uh, 485 acres in Colorado. This is a place to kind of park money. I felt confident in land, I'm a big hunter. And so we just been going there hunting every year. Wasn't looking at it as really a flip or a way to create uh, income, but just a way to park money. So I eventually sold that uh, three years ago. And then 2018, I kind of fell into another farm in Idaho. And uh, I was able to flip that one for 50% profit. So I kind of, there's something to land, you know, so I'm kind of barely getting into it and kind of coming across good deals. And then I heard Mark's podcast. Jumped in with uh, the Land Geek, did coaching with Tate. That's where I kind of met you guys. So my first boot camp was when you guys first came. So that was really great. So with the Land Geek, you know, that model was great. Did that the first year. And um, my brain just wasn't as good as keeping up with all the technology and everything else. So I kind of moved forward to more of a model of, you know, buy property and simply sell it, you know, through a realtor. Went through another program doing that. And then I kind of went on my own. So I just started noticing places where I hunt. Like I'd really watch the properties there and started like seeing, hey, this one to me looks like it's worth a lot more. It seems underpriced. I keep watching it. The way I really kind of got into what I do currently is I found one that I was really confident with. The 7,000 acres is like, I know that property is worth way more. And so I talked to a, a buddy. He said, well, if you get another investor, I'll split it with you. And so I found another guy that I know. And uh, they kind of just took my word for it. Like, okay, let's go for it. 
And um, we made an offer on the property, got a pretty little bit less than it was listed for. But anyway, it just it went really well. We were able to buy it. We sold it a year and one day later to get capital gains. And uh, it went well. So it kind of started this whole process of what I do currently, which is buying and selling hunting ranches. So that's what I do full-time now. Well, anything's got to be easier than door-to-door sales. Like the fact that you did that, super impressive. No doubt. Uh, and one of the questions I do want to ask for those who are listening and hearing about land flipping for the first time, and they maybe, or maybe they've listened to an episode and they heard Joey and I talk about the land flipping model and they're like, oh, so do you have to be successful because you're good at sales? Like, do, would you say that that's an element for people to be successful in the land investing, land flipping world that sales is a, a major component? You know, for, for me, not so much. I mean, I, I do love sales. But when I sell a property, I'm going through a land broker. So really, they're the sales side of it. If you're doing it all yourself, then definitely that's a, a plus, but it's not required. Um, okay. I think people that work with like Mark Ladowski, there's all kinds of different personalities. And people can kind of work that business in a way that works best for them. Uh, but if you do it all yourself, you will be interacting with people on Facebook Marketplace. You will be talking to people. And so you need to be able to communicate, but I don't think you need to be good at sales necessarily to do well with it. And, and you got into buying major ranches and you said you knew intrinsically that it was worth more. Talk a little mm-hmm. bit about that. I, I think that that's, that's a hard thing for most people. Most people don't really understand the value of anything, much less something of that size and scale. Yeah, it's a hard thing to kind of, convey because my whole life, I mean, when I was a teenager, like going to Montana with my dad during elk cutting, uh, from the very beginning, I was 14 years old. I started calling that game department and I'd say, Hey, send me all the stats. I want to know every unit. You, what are the success rates for hunters, archery, most loaded rifle? What's the buck to doe ratio? What's the cow, the bull to cow ratio? I want to know which units require preference points to draw. How many years does it take? What's the quality of those animals versus the general seasons? So like when I turned 16, I started taking off to like Oregon. I grew up in Seattle. And uh, same thing, I'd go through every unit, do all the stats. And for my whole life, I've done that. So for the states that I hunt, go to, like if you name a unit, like a, a game unit where you can hunt deer elk, I can tell you the stats and all that. So anyway, I just really knew this area well. It's a place I've hunted for 15 years. It's where I bought that first property. And uh, it's just kind of a gut feeling, but I, I could tell it was worth a lot more. And as you'll hear from like Mark and his program, I mean, land is a very, very inefficient market. And so, and people have different motivations. Some people just don't value their land. Whereas, you know, you have a house, you can tell, you know, from Zillow, what the house is worth next to it. With land, it's a little bit more, more difficult because the, the closest cop might be five or 10 miles away. And um, you know, that, that property was 7,000 acres. And so I think part of the problem for the seller was there's just there's not many people that can buy seven thousand acres, and so that made a big difference too. But we just did another one in that area. Uh, we close on next month that we're selling. Same kind of thing. We didn't have to subdivide it. Nothing. We just we knew the value was there. We worked out a good deal with the seller, and now we have a buyer um, that's going to buy it next month, and we'll move on to the next one. We have two more in the pipeline that we're purchasing. One today. We're purchasing and then another one we're purchasing next month that's pretty good size too uh, it's super interesting that you have this expertise and uh it's no doubt you've been successful uh over over the years of understanding your trade i mean being there feet on the ground and knowing the land is is so important 
But there's a the unique thing about our conversation today, if you go to landhunter.com, you'll see that Brian has included all five of his daughters into his business. And to me, I mean, I know Russ and I had the conversation ahead of time, like super interesting because we all want to include our children, but what was the reasoning for you, Brian? Like what, what was it for you that you said, Hey, let's include the, our daughters in this business. Yeah. For me. So when I was, see, I was about eight years old. My dad and I'd always go camping and fishing and all that. And I remember I was eight years old. We were sitting there on a rock fishing. He said, I'm going to start um, a landscaping business so you and I can work together. And so he said, I want to be able to do a job where we can spend time together and also give me a chance to, to earn money and so forth. Like when I was eight years old, I bought my first rifle and um, I had to pay for all of it. So my dad never gave me anything, but he taught me how to work and earn things for myself. I remember spending the first $240 on my first Browning 243 lever action rifle and went hunting for the first time I was nine years old. So he built that company. It's called McClatchy Landscaping or McClatchy's Complete Lawn Care. So when I was eight years old, you know, he would drive, I would throw business cards into people's mailboxes. You know, we started getting our first calls and people we knew would start to, you know, hire us. And then eventually the neighbors would come ask us if we want to mow their lawn too. He did a great job. And the, my dad also worked full time at the airport. So he loaded airplanes for West Airlines and Delta Airlines. So he'd go to work at five in the morning, get home at one thirty or two. I got home if, you know, from school. We'd then hop in the truck, load the trailer, and go mow lawns. So we got up to, I think it was 80 lawns per week at one point. So all three of from I was eight years old until um, yeah, graduated from high school, we were mowing lawns. So usually three or four days a week after school. And so that just really was a great time with my dad and taught me how to earn money. You know, I bought my own trucks growing up. Most of my stuff, they gave me something. So my parents are great, but, uh, but I really learned how to value work ethic and providing for myself. And so with this business here, I thought, hey, there's an opportunity to get my girls involved just because number one, it's fun. And number two, I want them to understand that, you know, college is great. They should go to college. But I also want them to understand that when it comes to earning a living, College isn't always necessary, and there's ways to think outside the box and invest because I made the mistake. I didn't read Rich Dad, Poor Dad until I was 47 years old, five years ago. And that kind of, when I read that, kind of like the Rocky music started going off, playing in the background, I was just like, okay, life is going to change right here, right now. I sent you guys that picture this summer of all my girls reading Rich Dad, Poor Dad on the couch together. So I felt like, you know, each, there's different things that happened in my business that each one of them are a good fit for. So like my oldest daughter, she's already graduated. She has a great career going on for her. You know, she wants to be an, an investor. So she invests in properties. Um, we did one previously, she's got money and another one currently. My second oldest daughter, uh, she just uh, graduated from advertising at BYU. And so she's helping me with um, my letters, you know, what goes out to potential sellers, you know, because what I created initially is very basic, very simple. It's a Word document. So I want her to improve that. Um, my middle daughter, uh, she invested. So she went on a mission for our church for 18 months. So she gave me all her money and say, Dad, go ahead and just, I'll trust you. And so we we're able to multiply her money. So she came home from her mission and now she's back at BYU and she has that uh, going for her. She also does uh, videos really well. She's great. She's in advertising also. She makes phenomenal videos. So 
like this trip I just had, I was telling you about with um, our leukemia hunter. We're going to stitch all that together. She'll put that together in a video. So hopefully in about a week or two, I'll post that on my website to share with other people. And then my second youngest or fourth daughter, um, she did all my shipping for me. And so she would have different things I have to ship each week. And so she did all the shipping for me, tracks everything. She just went to Utah State. So she's off work right now for a little bit while she starts her freshman year. And then I thought, my youngest daughter, Emmy, I got her for another four years. She just started high school. So I thought I'm going to give her a little bit more meaty work to do because I have more time with her right now to teach her what to do my business here at the house. So she's really great. So she does all my books for me. So whenever I have receipts, I just forward it to her email. She goes into my Google Sheet. She downloads everything. Uh, then every month at the end of the month, before I give everything over to my accountant, she goes through and checks all my expenses to make sure nothing was missing. She print, prints off my uh, checking statement each month from the bank, goes through that, makes sure that everything's accounted for, nothing's missing. And so it's just fun. So, I mean, you know, she does great. You know, if you give them a little bit of training, it's amazing what they can do. So that's been fun. So each one of them kind of has that going for them. And I think all of them, you know, in over time will want to invest like he got five thousand dollars here you know can i join a deal and try and get a return that's hopefully better than what they could get through other means you were obviously kind of going through the different ways you've got them involved and obviously some time and dictates how much involvement they can have but other skill sets like how did you know like for instance this your your youngest how did you know that she would be good at at that element of the detailed work of helping with bookkeeping and other things were there any assessments that you did there or was it like she's naturally gifted in that area you're like we're just going to teach you because you're going to need this in life it was just um here's the job let's do it so yeah i mean i mean she's she's very detailed she's a her, i mean her her talent she's an amazing baker she loves cooking shows and she's amazing at baking. She is very detailed and she's very responsible. And so I, I had no worries at all that she could do it. I, mean, I really, I think any of our girls could do it as long as I was there to give them some structure behind it. But the fun part, especially for, for a youngest one, is you, know, you have to figure out what do you pay them? So I pay her a good amount for what she does per month. Um, but then the caveat is she pays for her own stuff. Like she wants to get a new bicycle. Okay, let's go to the bank and get the money out and you can buy a bicycle, you know, or she wants to get a new phone or or clothes for school. And so we made it very clear that, you know, we're going to give you a really good job. We're going to pay you a fair amount for that work, but also it's going to be a little bit on the generous side. But we want you then to use that money so you can learn how to value it. You know, it's not just us giving you money to go buy something. This is your money. So if you choose not to buy that bicycle, well, now you've got that much more money left in your account. So you have to decide what's more important to you. And she starts to, it starts to click in her brain now, like, okay, this is how money works. And so that's been fun for, for her. Um, and then for other daughter, there's left for, for um, college, same kind of thing. You know, we had the same process with her, like you, you need clothes or something. Let's tap that money we've been paying you. That, that's what that's for. So I, I, that sounds like a really, amazing thing you've you've taught them something there's a lesson to be learned through this process and and one of them like you said like the value of money or or how money works what would you say there's been any other aha moments or or learning opportunities that you've seen 
your daughter's experience as a result of being involved in the business thus far? Yeah, I think one of the funnest things is when all of a sudden they'll ask me a question. You know, they'll ask a question about rich dad, poor dad. You're, you're, how, how do you do that? Um, you know, how do you come up with what you want to do? So, you know, for example, as you guys know, I took my daughter to your, um, your Birmingham um, inner circle meeting. So I brought Elizabeth with, with me to that. And that was great because she got exposed to about, you know, eight different businesses that she could invest in passively or actively to see what works for her. And so one thing that she's doing currently is e-commerce. That's kind of something that you fit her personality and what she's enjoying. Um, so I think that's been good. And so it's, is they're able to allow them to keep coming to meetings because they get exposed to things, but just knowing that they're asking me questions tells me they're thinking in a different way because, you know, again, I made the mistake or oh, this mistake, but, you know, unfortunately I wish I knew, wish I'd met wealth without wall street back when I was in my twenties, because I followed the, the usual program of, okay, you get any money, you put it in the stock market, you have a 401k, you work for somebody else, you get a W2, a lot of taxes are taken out. And I simply did not know any better at all. So I think education, like everybody talks about, is the biggest key. Having coaches, having masterminds um, is something they're learning. Like they see me go to all these meetings and so forth. They realize, okay, there's value there to collaborate with people that know things that you don't know in, or people that are in a place that you, know, you may want to be in the future. And um, just being in this community, yeah, I made new partners, new funding partners. It's just been phenomenal. If you've listened to our show for any length of time, you've heard us talk about infinite banking and how we were able to use that concept to create over $50,000 a month in passive income. But it's just not that easy to figure out how does this all connect into my own personal system? Stallion, that's why we created the passive income operating system, bro. It shows you how to turn active income into passive income. It makes all the steps come together. If you would like to get access to it as a podcast listener, we've never given this away in public before. Go to wealthwhitewallstreet.com forward slash P-I-O-S. There was nothing worse than walking into class when you're in school and the teacher saying, pop quiz day. Why? Because you were unprepared. Are you unprepared though for financial freedom? Don't be. Find out how close you are by taking our 30 second quiz at wealthwithoutwallstreet.com forward slash quiz. Man, I, I love all of that. I love the fact that she came and she found an idea that resonated with her. And, and that's the part that I think it's so important if you're, as you're taking notes and you're trying to figure out, okay, what is Brian saying that I can apply in my life with my kids? And I think one of the words you've used most frequently is fun. Mm-hmm. And kids are fun. They want to do things that are fun. And I think the failure I have a lot of times is I'm like, we're going to go learn this and I know it's fun and I think it's fun, but they don't see it as fun. They just see it as a book. They just see it as a video, a training course, or, you know, dad's just talking and we're listening. How is that fun? Fun is when they're actually doing it. And you said, I'm paying them. I'm I'm paying them. I'm paying them a junior salary, which, you know, Brian's not going to give you tax advice, but he knows that his accountant says, by the way, when you pay your kids up into a, a certain level of income, it used to be 12,000. I think it's gone up to 14,000, but you know, quote me on exactly what those numbers are. There's no federal income tax for them on that. So it's an expense to us as parents. Is it a tax-free income to them? So now as they go to buy 
their bikes or pay for their gymnastics or pay for their Barbies or whatever their thing is. Now that's dollars that you didn't have to work extra pay 40% tax on to go pay for. I think that's super fun as well. Have you guys got in some of those conversations to talk about how, how taxes work in relationship to the money? And if so, what are those conversations like? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, definitely we talk about like the cash flow quadrant in that they eventually want to get from you know, working for somebody else's employee to get to the point where they can have their own business and start to see the tax benefits, but then take that money that they're creating and ideally become an investor and get those tax benefits. And so, yeah, they're, they're seeing that. I think they understand really well from watching me that just working for somebody else and paying so much in taxes is not the best way to go. And so as they kind of go through their path in life and figure out, okay, which way do they want to go? They keep that in the back of their mind, like, okay, I, you know, I, I want to try and do some things my dad's doing because everything I do in my business is tax deductible. You know, the elk hunting trip I just came back from uh, with our youth hunter, all that's tax deductible. Um, and so there's benefits there because sometimes, yeah, I, I'm very fortunate. You know, I, I read a quote um, about three years ago that kind of just was like a light bulb moment. It's a Tom Bilyeu impact theory. He just said, you know, close your eyes and imagine a world and then open your eyes and make that world come true. I thought, what if I could just take what I really love doing, you know, in the outdoors and make that into a business and then see the tax benefits from that business and then of all my girls in that business and then move to a place that I'd love to be uh, in that business. Um, it really adds a, a, a great dimension to your life. And so, um, that's been my story my whole life. I mean, I'm not complaining about the years of knocking doors and being a physical therapist and doing medical sales, but where I'm at currently uh, is a much better place. And, and they're seeing that. I think they see how much I enjoy my work too. And so I think they're looking for opportunities where they can really enjoy what they do and get some of these tax benefits that uh, they know are out there. Uh, I'll tell you what. Um... My, one of my biggest takeaways from today, Brian, has been you had a you had a mentor, you had a model. Right. Those things have led you to now recreate that with your daughters, and I think that's super impactful. Um, one of the things that I think, as you're listening to this, is maybe you didn't have a great mentor or great model. But this, this is your opportunity to be that mentor or to be that model, right? And to take sure. that first step to building your own, maybe it's a side hustle to begin with. And then maybe it becomes a full-time business or a passive business that you can then start to share these with your kids. It's really difficult to share something with your kids that you don't understand yourself, right? Sure. <laughs> Impossible even. And, and so... If you're listening to this, you haven't taken that first step. I do want to call you to action. Go to wealthwithoutwallstreet.com forward slash free call and get started with one of our coaches because if you don't have a mentor or model, you need one. And these guys have been there. They've done that and they can certainly help you do the same. Uh, the other thing, uh, Brian, as I'm, as I'm hearing this, one just a practical question that I think people have is, what were some guide guardrails guidelines that you used as you paid your daughters that you felt like were helpful that you could, you'd be willing to share? I mean, not specific numbers, but how did you think about what you paid them and, and what did you use as a resource maybe? 
Yeah, I mean, originally I looked at you know what would someone their age or someone doing that work you make per hour, um, and then I kind of extrapolate it into that. Kind of a we do it on a monthly basis, so the work I give them is often in lump sum, so they'll sit and do a project at one time. So I did it kind of on a monthly basis. So I pay them every every month. So I, I took an hourly wage because of the quality they're doing, because of how the business is doing. I just simply kind of added about a twenty percent bonus factor on top of that, which I'm thinking is that's especially for them to learn how to use money themselves for things that they're used to mom and dad paying for previously. So I didn't have any like major guidance or structure there. Um, it was kind of guessing at the moment. And part of it too is looking at like for a youngest daughter, you know, how much money does she need right now? So the goal is for her to take half of what she she makes from, from the business and put it into savings. The other half is to be used for things that we would often pay for. She wants to go to the movie with her friends, she can pay for that. She wants to, you know, buy something like a bike, you know, she can she can pay for that. She saves up each month. Some months she doesn't spend hardly any money. Other months it's a bigger, you know, acquisition. So so it's kind of a, a gut feeling, but it's more or less to you, where is she at? How much work is she doing? And what would she need to be able to more or less cover the majority of her, you know, wants um, each month? I, I'm curious because you mentioned that each one of them have, or uh, several of them have become investors in your deal. And, you know, talking to, you know, people who syndicate deals who are dealing with investors, one of the biggest frustrations they have is the, uh, the amount of updates required by certain investors. If I was living with my investors, I just wonder, you know, like as kids, they're always, are we there yet? Are we there yet? Are we there yet? <laughs> How do you handle investor relations inside the house? Good question. Yeah, they're they're easygoing. So they they know I'm not going to lose their money. And so they're not too, too eager to hear updates. So like with uh, our middle daughter, she, she's gone for a year and a half, so... She really didn't have any questions until she got back. Like she came back and said, so do I still have that money? <laughs> so it's like, so it, it was fun to, when she came back and grabbed my wife, it was fun to, you know, give her, her, her principal back in a check. Like here's the check for what you put in. And then to give her the actual check for what the profit was, it, that, that was fun. Um, my other daughter told her it'd be a year. And so, and it turned out to be just exactly a year. And so she kind of knew what to expect, but. That's a good question. But, you know, like I was talking to family recently, uh, to my father-in-law, they're talking about different investments they're doing. And I keep hearing this this 10%, 10%. You, we want to make 10%. And talking to other friends, relatives, we want to make 10%. Finally said, let's do a call. Let's let's bring you into this a little bit. And so I've got a call at 6 o'clock tonight, a Zoom call with, um, with uh, two relatives and a friend. Um, of my in-laws and they want to hear about what I'm doing. They're all hunters. And so um, we're trying to expand that a little bit because I think people are, have been trained to think 10% return is a good thing. It, it is good. It's just, you know, back before I knew about all of this, I thought that was phenomenal. So it's all about what you are educated on at the time. I was like, yeah, we can help you do better. And so we're trying to expand that a little bit with the family. I love that. And Obviously, I could see that continuing to blossom and, and grow down the future. What else, if, as you look ahead, um, what do you see as maybe other ways that your family will be involved going forward or just you know new things for, for Land Hunter that are coming in the future? 
Yeah, I mean, going forward, you know, I think our girls will seriously consider working in this business. Um, if not this specifically with land, I think with different avenues like you guys offer both without Wall Street. So we'll, we'll see what kind of direction they go. Um, you know, for me personally, the biggest thing I'm doing right now is just trying to add uh, the number of investors I work with because I tend to have more deals than I have money for. And so the people I work with currently, they're, they're a little bit spoiled. I always joke that I make wealthy people much wealthier because I, I give away the majority of the profit just because you know, my nightmare would be to lose somebody's money. So I'd much rather give away, I give away a lot more than the industry standard on profits because I want to be able to sleep well at night and not be stressed out, that my investors are stressed out. Um, and I also know that if I can give a lot, I'm also going to get a lot in the long run. Long run. I'm going to get more deals, more opportunities and so forth. That's the biggest thing going forward. So for them, um, we'll have to see what was kind of fun right now is our girls are dating. And so like one of our daughters is dating a guy and um, he heard what I do. So he quickly read Rich Dad, Poor Dad. And he, we were started to talk and ask questions. So I'm kind of curious to see that over time, you maybe our girls won't be into the land business so much. I'm kind of curious, like, you know, their future husbands and so forth. Maybe that's an opportunity for them to then provide for their family going forward. So it's kind of fun to see these boys that come into their lives, you know, ask questions of what I do. Because it, it is always funny when people say, what do you do for work? And I say, well, I buy and sell hunting ranches. So they like, what you say? It's kind of like, you know, I'm not sure if I heard you right. I say, yeah, I was a physical therapist, orthopedic medical device sales, and I sell land. It's an obvious transition, right? You know, it's such a, a you know, unusual niche. Um, but I think that could happen. I think, you know, whoever they marry, I think that's another opportunity to share what I do and expand kind of the family business or at least be a mentor, hopefully for them. Well, Brian, I, I'm counting on you to take really, really good notes uh, on this whole process of these these young men who are coming around your daughters at this point and, um, and how you may be able to mentor them into becoming investors, becoming the Brian McClatchy that wishes he had learned about all this stuff in his 20s. Um, that's exactly the vision I have for my daughter's husbands. And, um, you know, I see it as a calling really ultimately to take this education that we have, we've been gifted and, um, you know, bring it to that next generation so that they can get a, even a faster start and, and steward the money that they're given well. So, um, I really appreciate you sharing that. Now, um, one of the things that, uh, you, you mentioned on your website and you've already talked about was this, um, this elk hunting trip that you did with a young man who has, has been diagnosed with leukemia and how leukemia hunter is a new initiative within your business. Um, talk a little bit about just that and, um, and how, how you're helping to, to change lives with that. Yeah. So, you know, you always feel like Tony Robbins say that, you know, giving is living. And so kind of, he discovered that early on when he was broke and he gave all his money to this little young boy that came into a restaurant he was eating at, took great care of his mom, was all dressed up and took, treated her just like a, you know, he just loved her to death. And Tony was there because it was a buffet. He had no, almost no money left. So he went there to stuff himself to try and get through the rest of the day. And he's so impressed with this young boy, he just reached into his pocket and gave him all the money he had, like probably like 20 bucks, and just said, you know, I really admire what you're doing with your mom. 
And when Tony walked out, he kind of had this amazing, you know, epiphany, like, you know, what giving is what creates these amazing feelings inside. So I thought, what can I do to give? Because right now the business is just, you know, buy land, sell land, make some money, move on to the next one. I didn't feel like I was really benefiting anyone in any significant way. So we had a good friend. Um, that, that's right. A good friend that, that passed away from leukemia last year. And um, we're good friends with their, her parents and they've got two girls. And you know, as I watched them go through that, it was just really tough because I could put myself in their position and I could see what it'd be like if our girls went through that. So I thought that's something we can really, uh, really focus on. So that, that was about, um, about a year ago. So I thought, let's find ways to take these young people, you know, ages 12 to 18, because uh, our friend, Natalie, you'll see her on, on the website, kind of, you'll see her story. She was 12 when she was diagnosed. She passed away when she was 18. Luckily, nowadays, leukemia, about 82% of the kids uh, survive and do fine. Um, Natalie had a really bad strain. Um, so we thought, let's move forward to this. So I started kind of looking around to figure out how can I find kids with leukemia or any kind of cancer that we could take these properties we have during hunting season that aren't really being used and give them a really good experience. So I, I contacted the Outdoor Dream Foundation. They have like a national database of kids with life-threatening illnesses. And they do this throughout the country with different organizations. And But they're able to connect me with this young man, Braden, who's 14. Uh, he was diagnosed over two years ago with leukemia. He loves to hunt. And so we were able to arrange that. And I was going to cover everything, but they cover a lot of the expenses. They cover the travel and so forth. So on Thursday, just this last Thursday, um, him and his stepfather flew in to Hayden, Colorado. I picked them up out there, drew, drew out from, from Utah. And it's had a great time uh, with him and his stepfather. And we had to Thursday evening, this is on a ranch that the ranch that we're selling next month. Um, had a Thursday evening, had an all day Friday, uh, Saturday morning. And he's a trooper. He hiked with us wherever we need to go. We didn't do a lot, a lot of hiking. We kept seeing quite a few decent bull elk, but they're all like 500, 800 yards away. Just a little too far for him, uh, not shooting that far in the past. But luckily, late Saturday morning, we caught a bull that was had just crossed over the ridge we were driving down, and we were able to get out real quickly and get him set up. And he made a perfect shot, and he's kind of a quiet kid. He just lit up. I mean, he's all smiles. So excited. I walked up to him. He's like, I want that thing on my wall. So he's doing a full shoulder mount. In his bedroom, so they took you know, home a whole cooler full of alchemy. We got it processed luckily in time. He got his jerky and salami and all the steaks and hamburger, and um, it's just really fun. So, as well as things too, where um, you drop them off at the airport, it's kind of like an emotional dump at that point. You know, it just it felt good to finally do something where you know you're sacrificing your time to do something better to help other people. And so we want to keep doing that. We want to expand that. And hopefully other people that hear these podcasts, they, they can figure out you know, what works for them. You might happens to be the hunting industry and land and so forth that we can all probably do something to help people in need, whether it's leukemia or cancer, or whatever. But, but that's something we started and um, we'll, we'll get that video put together. My daughter, Audrey, will get that all stitched together. We should have that posted probably in a couple of weeks. So people can kind of see Braden and his hunt and the elk and 
the good times that we have. Fantastic story. I think there's not a better story to end on than that. What an amazing thing. I know Braden and his stepfather probably, it's just a, a, I can't wait to see the picture of the elk on Braden's wall. Like that, <laughs> those are big animals, right? You better have a big room. Big. That'd be so fun. Well, Brian, thank you so much for coming on the podcast, sharing, not only sharing about your your story, uh, how you got into this, how others can, can find that, how they can teach their kids about that, like just the life skills that they're learning and uh, the financial skills. And then also, how can we, you know, think past ourselves? Because we can't be a cul-de-sac of stuff. We have to be able to get this through and pass it down and share. And I, I love what you're doing there through landhunter.com. Joey and I are always blessed when we're in your presence. Today was no difference. Thank you for, for being on. Thank you guys. Appreciate it. Thank you for listening to this episode. If you found value, if uh, this is something that inspired you or you know someone that could be inspired by Brian's story, please take time to rate and review the podcast, share it with them as well. As always, have an amazing day. This has been the Wealth Without Wall Street podcast. Don't forget to subscribe to the show to break free of the Wall Street mindset and begin building wealth on your own terms in places you understand so that your wealth will never run dry. See you next episode.